Today's daf is daf memches, page 48, in the Heliga Meseches Ksubis. We're already up to daf memches, incredible. And we pick up from the second two dots. All right, we're up to Rabbi Yehuda Oimer. Afilu Ani Shabi Yisrael. We'll call this 11 lines from the top of the Yomud. Yeah, that's what we're calling it. 11 lines from the top of today's daf. Memches, Amad Aleph, 48a, we're at the two dots, quoting the Mishnah, where Rabbi Yehuda, Aimeh, Rabbi Yehuda said in the Mishnah, Afilu Ani Shabi Yisrael, this is referring to a husband's responsibility, to a financial responsibilities to his wife, <coughs> and that is, <clears throat> that even if a person is incredibly poor, they're obligated at their wife's levaya to have two flutes playing, as well as a woman who is hired to lead the crying. All right, now obviously this was a different system than we have uh, nowadays with what is expected at a funeral, but suffice it to say, same way as at a wedding, you would expect at least, you know, a, a keyboard or a one-man band or something of that sort to play the music. So at a funeral, it was a, what they had was, they had a person hired who was there to inspire others to grieve, to inspire others to cry about the loss. All right, Rebuta says, this is every husband's responsibility to his wife, to pay for this. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Mechlal de Tanakamasovar Haniloi. From the fact that Rebuta says that a husband is obligated to hire two flutes and a lead woman, you could imply that the first opinion was, you don't need to do such a thing. Says the Gemara, Hechi Dami. What is the case? Ido Orchei, if this is something which is expected, this is the usual way, the, what we do at funerals. My time of the Tanakama, the Amar Lai. What is the logic for the Tanakama who says that a husband does not need to do this for her? Now, the natural assumption here is, and this is what we need to take on, the Gemara later, in a couple weeks, maybe in a week and a half or so, we'll get to this, but the Gemara is, is under the assumption that we know a husband is expected to take care of his wife at least according to the standards of the society that she walks in. Meaning, when a woman gets married, she doesn't marry down financially. Any husband that takes care of a wife, unless she's Michael, it will, you know, which is a conversation in and of itself, the expectation is whatever her standards are at the time of marriage with her family and with what the parents were giving her. So that, that uh, you're following along in that. So says the Gemara, if this is the usual way for things to happen at funerals, why would there be an opinion that you don't need to do such a thing? And if it's not the usual thing to have at a funeral, and it's considered, you know, an unnecessary expense, my time with Rabbi Yehuda, what is the logic for Rabbi Yehuda who says that even the poorest Jew is obligated to hire these two flute players as well as the lead woman griever? Says the Gemara, Leitzricha, I'll tell you the Kiddush of our Mishnah, Kigayin, for example, here's the story. It's his family's minhag. It's usual in his family 
to have to hire these people. However, she doesn't come from a family where these types of hirings at a funeral are expected. Okay, so she's actually coming from a, a simpler family than his. So Tanakamasov are the Tanakamas of the opinion. Ki amrinan When do we say that a woman's financial situation gets lifted up when she marries him and it doesn't go down? Which is the Gemara that we'll see later. Hani mili mechayim. That's only while she's alive. While she's alive. And the husband's family comes with a higher social standing, higher financial situation. So the husband has to take care of his wife according to his family's abilities. But that's only during her lifetime, says the Tanakama. Once she passes away, even though it's usual in his family to hire a, a, a band or two flute players and a lead griever at the funeral, so Tanakama says, you don't need to do that for her at her funeral. She's now on her way to the uh, She's in the, you know, uh, the world, uh, she's resting in peace in the world of eternity. You don't need to do that. After death, you don't need to do such a thing. Verbuta says, no. Even once she passes away, the husband is obligated to keep the standards that would have existed were she to be alive. And says the Gemara, Amar Rav Chista, Amar Mar Ukva. Rav Chista says the name of Mar Ukva, Halacha ke Rebbe Yehuda. Halacha follows like Rebbe Yehuda, which is that if you have a situation where a woman comes from a simpler family and she marries a husband who's more well off and they have, you know, and they have uh, uh, higher expenses, the same way the husband is obligated to take care of his wife in that fashion while she's alive, so too must he do it once she passes away. Okay. V'yamar Rav Chista, Amar Marukva. And Rav Chista says as well, in the name of Marukva. Mi If you have, chas v'shalom, somebody who went, what we call in Jewish, meshuga. He went crazy. He became a shaita. He became complete, he lost his mental capacity. Okay. So now, you, you have a family. The breadwinner of the family... Go, is he, he, he's now unable to deal with anything financially. So listen to this. It's a fascinating halacha when it comes to the, fa- to the family's finances. What do we do? Says Rav Chista in the name of Marukva, Bezdin Yardin Linechasov, Bezdin, the Jewish court, takes hold of his property, Vizonin, and they feed, Umefarnison and they support as Ishtai, his wife, Ubanov and his sons, Ubinaisov, and his daughters. Vidavar Acher, and you also use the money to pay for this Davar Acher. Now this Davar Acher, I'm not gonna tell you what it is, because the Gemara doesn't want to tell us what it is yet. The Gemara is gonna tell us shortly, but this is gonna be what's piquing our interest uh, as we read through. What is this? Davar Acher means. And something else, right? And, uh, there's uh, this other thing as well. You need to, uh, the, the Bezdin's going to use his money to support his wife, his sons, and his daughters. Yeah, Rabbi Ravinsky has a question. Go ahead, Rabbi. Is, is the Gemara going to get into why we don't trust the wife to take over the finances to support herself and her children? No. Rabbi Ravinsky is asking, why don't we just trust the wife to do it? The answer may very well be, we do. And if we would, she could be the appointee of the Bezdim. 
but it's not her, but it's not her place to take her husband's money when he's the when he goes insane. It's Bezdin's responsibility to set someone up who is capable. If she is the one who's capable, Gazunta hate. They'll probably establish her as the one overseeing uh, overseeing all this. But what? But uh, let, let's just uh, shift into what the conversation here is going to be, and this is going to come up. This is going to be a, a fascinating focus that we're going to. Um, have to think about, and this is something that perhaps we never thought about, and that is what ultimately is a breadwinner of a family's responsibility to his family, financially. Think about it. In our society, now society obviously doesn't determine what's right, but in our society, if you have a, a parents and you have a 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, would you expect those parents to financially support the kid? What do you say? Kid 16, 17 years old. Would society expect the parents to support that child? You'd say yeah. Yeah, halakhically no. Yeah. Okay, you'd say yeah. According to the Torah, is a parent obligated to support their child financially? Not at 16. Not at 16. So at what age does it change? Six or seven, I think. Six or seven? Where'd you, uh, where, where does it say? I don't know. I remember. I thought I learned that somewhere. Okay. Condition, maybe. Okay. So this is a, fas- okay. so this is a fascinating um, source that we need to get down to the bottom of. And we're going to, when we start talking the conversation that we had yesterday of a father's responsibility to a daughter, to children, what rights does he have? A husband's financial responsibility to his wife. How does that, where, who, when, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, the Tyra the does expect us to live within the environments that we have, but you can't allow the environment to dictate what's right and what's wrong or else we'd be, you know, uh, doing crazy stuff. So our Gemara over here <coughs> is is uh, starting out telling us a chiddush, a novel idea. A guy goes insane. Maybe in his insanity, he's deciding, you know what? I'm worth $18.3 million. And he goes insane. And he says, my wife and my kids aren't getting a penny. They're not touching anything. They're going to go begging in the streets. Bezdin knows the guy just he went gar he went gar mashuga. He's this is not the only thing. This is not his only, you know, thing that he's his, his only hang up. There's other things happening out there. So the Gemara says Bezdin has a right to go down to his property and against his will because he's a shaita, he's a fool in in these circumstances. He doesn't he doesn't have mental capacity. Use that money to support his wife and children with the assumption. That if he would be sane, that's what people would want. Okay? Now again, it's not clear the age or anything of that sort. Here we go. Ravina says How's this different from something that we learned in our Brahsa? If you have a fellow who goes overseas, he goes overseas. The guy's now in Thailand. The So he's not around. And you know what he forgot to do? He forgot to leave a credit card and cash for his wife. 
hopefully it's he forgot, right? <laughs> and it wasn't on purpose. So he goes overseas, he doesn't leave any money. So his wife goes to Besdin and she says, listen, I need you to give me rights. Hefker, Besdin, Hefker, you know, Besdin could determine where money goes. I need you to give me the rights to use the money. So says the Brisa, Bezdin yardin l'nechasav, v'zanin u'mefarnesin es ishtai, avaloi bonav u'bnaisav, v'loi davar acher. The Brisa says, the wife, if he goes overseas, can be supported by things that he owns, but not his children, and also not this davar acher, which we don't know what davar acher is. Bottom line is, it's a question, because in Rav Chista's statement quoting Mar Ukva, it says when a person's a fool, Person go, loses his mental capacity. Bezdin supports everybody with his money. But then there's another price that says if he goes overseas, who do we support with his money? Just his wife. Nobody else. What's the difference between somebody who loses his mental capacity and somebody who goes overseas? That's the question. Omar Lay. See, he says back to him. Again, again Ravina asked Rav Ashi this challenging question. So Rav Ashi is responding back to Ravina. He says, I don't understand your question. You don't know the difference between somebody who left knowingly and somebody who doesn't have the ability to, to do anything knowingly. What he's saying is like this. If a guy goes overseas and he doesn't leave money, that may very well be on purpose. That's it. You know why I didn't leave money? Because I decided not to leave money. Am I obligated to support my kids? Show me in the Torah. Show me in the Torah where it says I need to leave money when I'm not around to support my kids. Let, let time Cheshav support them. What about the wife? Oh, okay. A wife, she could get. You get a Ksuba. Ksuba, I have that responsibility. I wrote, I wrote I'm going to take care of her. But the children? No. However, when he goes insane... Can we say that he deliberately didn't leave, isn't leaving that money? No, there's no such thing as deliberately. The guy's, he's not balanced. And therefore, says Rav Ashi, back to Ravina, when the guy becomes a shaita, when he becomes a fool, so then we say, listen, we're going to expect him to be like a regular average person who wants their money to be used for their family. Whether it's my wife, whether it's my children, I want it to be used in my family. If the guy has mental capacity and he goes overseas and doesn't leave money, then we have to assume he did it on purpose. And we have no right to just take his estate and use it to support the kids that he has no responsibility to support. That's the answer. Okay? Fine. Now. Are you saying that's the the, the, the final uh, answer? Or are you that, saying that's part no, that, 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 of you? That's the final answer to the contradiction. We thought there was a contradiction between the halachas of a, sh- of a person who becomes a shota and a person who goes overseas, and the Gemara is responding that no, there's no contradiction because it's, it's two separate things. When you become a shota, you can't decide anything, so we're going to decide that you're a regular person, and, and you want your est- if, if you would be normal, then you would want your estate to be used for your children as well. But when somebody goes overseas and they had the ability to leave money and they specifically chose not to, then we have no right to support your children with your money. That's the difference. 
But the Kashuba doesn't protect her. It's her. It's basic or her, her, not his kids. Yeah. Yeah, but she'll be able to use it for her Ksuba no matter what. That that she could do. The question is the children. Fine. Now, in the initial, in the initial case, when he became a shaita, we said that his money could be used for davar acher. It could be used for this other thing. When he went overseas, you could not use it for this other thing. Says the Gemara, my davar acher. What is this other thing that if he becomes, if he becomes uh, mentally incompetent, will use his money? To pay for the Dover Acher. What is that? Rav Chista Omar, Rav Chista says, Ze Tachshit. It's referring to Tachshit. Okay. Now what's Tachshit? So sometimes Tachshit means jewelry. That's what it means sometimes. Rashi, however, over here explains that it's referring to perfume. It's referring to perfume. Something that allows his wife to smell good. So if a man becomes a shaita. His wife is allowed to use the money to pay for perfume. Now let's let's get a understanding of why perfume. So remember, perfume back then for us is taking a shower and brushing our teeth. They didn't have showers. They didn't take daily showers. They didn't have the same hygiene abilities. They took a bath whenever they were able to take a bath. But they... Schwitz, then they sweat, they didn't have their air conditioning, and the way that they, that they, uh, uh, wives and couples and husbands wouldn't become repulsive to each other was by covering over their body odor. They would cover it over with davar acher, they'd cover it over with perfume, according to Rav Chista. And Rav Chista holds this is such a necessary ingredient in the relationship that they're not repulsive to each other that she could use the money to eat, and she could to be supportive for her basic bills, and that includes davar acher, that includes perfume. Rabbi Yosef Amar, Rabbi Yosef says tzedakah. It's referring to, uh, it's referring to tzedakah. Okay, what is tzedakah? So tzedakah over here is the regular tzedakah obligations that most members of a Jewish community undertake even though he's not here to tell us that he wants us to take that tzedakah from his estate, if it's a regular standard type of tzedakah, matanas levyainim, mais, you know, before Pesach, all the, you know, and, and, and all these uh, tzedakah obligations, so we'll, you, we'll, we'll give tzedakah from his property as well. Manda Amar according to the opinion who says, Dabar Acher refers to perfume, kosh gain tzedakah. How much more so, uh, are we going to uh, are we going to uh, include tzedakah in this? Okay, why? Because um, th- there's a difference between something that's personal and something that is communal. I'm sorry, the one who says that davar acher is referring to tzedakah. Maybe we'll say. That, you know, in the second case where he went overseas, we'll say, oh, okay, we're not going to give tzedakah, but at least he wants his wife's hygiene to be taken care of because it's his personal uh, gain. He doesn't want his wife to become minovaldic. He doesn't want her to become gross and disgusting when he's not around. Hence, even though 
you know, uh, in the second brisa where we say that we're not going to use the money for uh, for for tzedakah, we'll still agree that perhaps you could use the money for uh, for uh, perfume for his wife. Okay, Gvaldik. Couple more halachas before we get to the mission on the bottom of our Amud. Amr of Chiyah Baravan, Amr of Huna. Of Chiyah Baravan says in the name of Ravuna. Misha halach lebdinas hayam. A fellow goes overseas. Umesa ishtei. His wife dies. He's not around. He's in Thailand. His wife dies. You know what that means? There's an obligation for a burial. Who pays for the burial? Says Rav Chiyah Bar Avin, quoting Ravuna, Bezdin Yardin Lenechasa V'Kayven Hashal Lefich Vaydei. Fascinating statement. We Bezdin goes to his estate and takes however much it costs according to his kavod. Says the Gemara, the obvious question. What do you mean his kavod? Shouldn't we say according to what's befitting of her? It says they take the value according to his kavod. Why not her kavod? So the Gemara says, you're right. means that let's say she was more simple. She was a simple woman. Financially, she didn't need much. But he's, uh, you know, he's more of a spender. So we're going to give her a honorable funeral according to the husband's higher standards. Hakamashmalan, and this lets us know, You see from here, she passed away, right? But if you have a woman who comes from a simple financial background and she marries into a larger financial uh, situation, so the husband's obligated to raise her up to his financial standing, and this applies even after she passes away, because you see that he's gonna the the Bezdin has a right to take from his possessions to pay for a funeral according to his standards, even if they're higher than her standards. Omar of Masna, Rav Masna says, If a person says, "In Mesa, if I die, Laisik I do not. You should know I, when I die." I do not want my wife being buried from my money. I refuse to allow that. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, Shaymanlai. We listen to him. We're not going to, whatever he says, this is his, uh, this is his uh, rut zone. This is his desire. Okay. We listen to that. Fine. Now, the Mepharshim explain over here, we're dealing with a guy who's got one foot in the grave and the other one on a banana peel. So he's on his way in. So the assumption is 99% he's going before her. Now, if he goes before her, she's going to collect the money of the ksuba anyway. So she'll have the ability to have her uh, funeral taken care of. So therefore, we listen to him. Says the Gemara, Maishna ki Amar. What do you mean? You know, if he said this, is it because he wants his property to go to his children? Okay? And he's saying like this, a funeral, $10,000, easy. If you're lucky. I, I, I'm leaving behind, I got 15 grand in the bank. I want my children getting $15,000. I don't want my estate having to cover uh, the wife's burial and, all, and and my children don't get any more money. 
I don't, I don't want it, all, all the money being used up. So says the Gemara, um, what, um, I'm sorry, I'm going back a line. Ma'ishnaki Omar, what do you mean if he, if he said, I don't want it to be used? Did Nafli Nechzei Kame Yasme, is it because he wants his Yusayimim, his inheritors, to receive the money? Kiloy Amar Nami, even if he never said this, Nechzei Kame Yasme Ramu, shouldn't this be the regular halacha? The regular halacha is his children inherit the money. So even whether or not he says anything, is it their responsibility to take care of their father's wife's funeral? Now, if it's their mother, it's Einzach. Over here, it could very well be a stepmother. Very well be a stepmother. You have a, their father's married to a woman. And they, they you're going to tell me that, that uh, they're, they're responsible? So Gemara says, Ella, rather, Ha'aymer, here's the case. Ha'aymer, a guy says, Im meis hu, loisik veruhu minichasav. If a person says, Immes who? If he dies, referring to himself, I don't want that person to be buried from his property. Now, this is all talking about himself. I don't want to be buried using my own money. You know what he says? I want my children to inherit the $15,000 I'm leaving behind. I, what about your funeral? Okay, I'll be a mace mitzvah. I'll be a mace mitzvah. No, you'll go to uh, the people, the people will raise the money. You go to a charity fund and they raise money for me. Ain't shaymanly. Then we do not listen to them. Because he has no right to make his children rich and then throw his responsibility on the tzibor, on the community, which is a very powerful idea. It's a very powerful concept, something to think of, and that is, yes, as much as we're part of a tzibur, as much as we're part of a community, if a person's able, person's capable of getting by on their own, there's it's the wrong thing to go and and throw oneself on top of a tzibur, on top of a uh, communal responsibility, so that um, you know, so that one's children can have. Uh, you know, can can have a greater inheritance, which is a fascinating, fascinating, ongoing shaila in, I would say, perhaps even a majority of people's situations. And I'm not, every situation is unique and different and you have to understand environments and society and all these things. But how many people can actually pay full tuition for their children's Jewish education? Very few. Very few. I don't know what the percentage is, in you know, in St. Louis, but I would I would assume we're dealing with twenty five percent of people. You know, are are able to pay, uh, f- you know, full tuition for day schools. So what happens? What happens? So you go to the community, you go to Klal Yisrael, and you raise the deficit. You raise the difference. You raise the money. It's tzedakah. Now. When a person asks for a tuition break, let's say it, they get $4,000 off. So that means the community has to sponsor $4,000 for their child. But does the person not really have the $4,000? Or does the person just want to put away $100 a month in a savings account for their kids for down the road? 
And because a person wants to put money for their kid down the road, so now the community has to raise more money, which is a very common scenario. It's a very common thing. And a person might respond to that. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Because in order to, you know, in order to survive and, and just be uh, a, a normal in an a American environment financially, you can't be dumb either. You got to put a little bit away for something, for, for, for something or other. Right, so there's this ongoing, uh, I, I don't, you know, m- the money, the words fungible or whatever it is. There's this ongoing um, balance and shifting around of funds, where we have to be very cognizant. Our Gemara is teaching us where you need to ask a shayla. You have to know. Over here, you have a person who says, "Listen, I need, I need money in my kid's saving account." I can't put all the responsibility of my funeral on them. It's going to be too hard. And the Gemara here says, okay, but right now it's your money. And it's just because you want your kids to inherit more money doesn't give you a right to be yapil atzmai ala tzibor, to throw your burial expenses on the tzibor. So how and when, I'm, I'm not saying it right or wrong in the situation I gave, but how and when to balance it out, the Gemara is making us think when we live within a within a uh, a community, which Baruch Hashem, you know, it's uh, the the Torah's no say yes no so it carries those who carry it, but there 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 really is uh, an element of of erlichkeit that people that people do need to have when it comes to these things. Okay, that's the end of the Gemara. Let's get into the Mishnah. All right. A young girl remains in the Rishos, remains in the property of the Av of her father. Ad Shatichnis Lirshus Bal A daughter remains in the domain of her father until she actually moves in to her husband's domain. Until she actually moves in to her husband's house. If the husband to be or not, not the husband to be, the, the husband sends, you know, a, a whole entourage to bring her to his house for Nesuin. And the father hands her over and now they're dancing to the Nesuin. They're dancing to the Chuppah. She is still, she now has already become in the Rishus of the husband, the domain of the husband, because these people act as messengers of the husband. Let's say the father's walking along with them. She remains in her father's rishos. But if messengers of the father give her over to messengers of the husband, she remains in the rishos in the domain. Uh, she, I'm not, not she remains. She now is handed over to the domain of the husband. So this is interesting. If the father himself is walking with her and the agents, so then she remains in the father's domain. If the father's agents are walking with the husband's agents, then she's already considered in the domain of the new husband. Says the Gemara, just a uh, 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 quick question of words, where the very first word of our Mishnah was, La'aylam hi b'rshosa'af. La'aylam hi b'rshosa'af. Forever. La'aylam, always, Forever. She remains the domain of the father. What is my la'olam? What do you mean la'olam? Why is this word necessary? What's it teaching me? 
Says the Gemara, Lafukim and Mishnari Shainam. It's coming to exclude something that we learned earlier in the Mishnah, the time we learned. Uh, the Tanan we learned in a Mishnah. Um, let's say they're supposed to have 12 months of Arison, and then at the end of 12 months, the husband's supposed to bring her in. And guess what happens? He doesn't. The guy's getting cold feet. He's dragging his feet. He's not marrying her when he was supposed to. The halacha is, The wife can already be, is, is already supported by him financially, and also if he's a Kayin, she could already start eating Shuma, Kamash Malan La'ilam. And therefore, our Mishnah, to argue on that, says no, La'ilam means for everything until she actually goes into the husband's domain. La'ilam, always for everything, she remains in the Rishus of the father. Which means if the husband's dragging his feet, even though he's obligated to bring her in and go through Nisuin, he hasn't done that yet. Okay, so he's, he's doing something wrong. But she remains in the domain of the father. She's not allowed to eat Juma, And the husband is not obligated to financially support her. Masar ha'av l'shluche habal. Once, um, I'm sorry, masar ha'av, yeah. The, the father himself gave her over to the messengers of the husband. Harehi b'rishos habal v'chulu. She's now in the domain of the husband. Omar Rav. Rav says, Misirasa l'koil chutz mitshuma. When you give her over to the messengers, she is now completely a Nesua, except she's not yet allowed to eat Truma. Why? Because she, her body has not actively gone in to live with the husband. Now, there's a concern. She hasn't gone in to live with the husband. If we give her Truma, then it may be eaten by somebody who's not allowed to eat it. Barabasi Yomar Barabasi says, no, afla truma. She can even eat truma. There's no problem. Asi, Ravuna, Ravasi. Ravuna says to Ravasi, one second, I'm going to challenge you. Some say, Ravasi said to Ravasi, for everything, she's b'shusa'av until she goes into the chuppah. And Ravasi, what are you saying? No. Truma's different. I mean, truma's different. Lailo means everything. Amar Luhu Rav. Rab said, Didn't I tell you, don't follow whenever there's an opinion that states, that, that, that tells me to go the opposite way? And he explains, Really, Rav Asi can answer you, You know what he's going to say? When the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband, that alain is chuppah. That itself is chuppah. She's already she already had chupa. That's it. It's like she's completely in the domain. Shmuel Amar. It's really only li Yerushasa. It's only as far as inheriting. Okay, which means the father gives her over to the messengers of the husband, and she has a heart attack on the way. She never makes it into the husband's house, but she made it on the path with the husband's messengers. So what do we say about the money that the girl's father promised the husband? Remember that? Girl's fathers would give a nadunya, they'd give a, a nadin, they'd give a dowry. So the father gives, as we spoke about mechutanim the other day. Right? So the girl's father gives her over, that's the chuppah. She dies with a heart attack on the way, so he's gonna, the husband's going to inherit that. 
It's referring to inheriting the ksuba. Ksuvasa mahi, what do you mean, ksuba? The imesa, Yaris, like you tell me that, oh, ksuba means if she dies first, he gets the ksuba. Haim the shmuel. That's shmuel just told us this, right? So, Rishlak is not telling me any chiddish. Amravina, Ravina says, Lay ksuvasa, may acher mona. He's letting me know that if, let's say, the kala went with the messengers of the chasin, and then the chasin passes away, she's going to only get a ksuba of a mana because she had nesuin. Let's explain. Usually, when does a girl get a ksuba of a non-virgin? When she actually had relations with her husband. Over here, there's nesuin because she was given over to the agents of the husband, but she never actually moved in with the husband. Still, her ksuba is going to be a mana. That's the Kiddush over here. She could very well be a virgin. She's going to receive the Ksuba of Mana because Lemaisa, the bottom line is, she, ha- she went through an Erison, she went through an Esuin, and that's what we mean. Her Ksuba is going to be a Mana. That's the Adr Kiddush. That's Taka Kiddush of Reish Lakish. Rabbi Echen and Rav Chanin, Madame Ritavayu, Rabbi Echen and Rav Chia, both hold Mesirasa Lakol Af Lechuma. When Arma says La'ilam, it means she's given over for anything and everything. And that applies even to Truma. Meisvei, they ask a challenging question. Listen to this, Bryson. If the father's walking along with the husband's messengers. So remember, what do we say in that case? If the father joins them, it's not considered like she's handed over yet. If he would hand her over to the husband's messengers, so then it's already like an Asun. Here the father's walking along with them, so it's not really a handing over. Or let's say the messengers of the father are going with messengers of the husband. Or there's a, a chatzar, a place to stop off with living on the way. And on the way to his chuppah, on the way to his house, her, together with her new husband, they stop off at the hotel on the way home. Even though her ksuba is not here right now, it's in her husband's house because that's where the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, we'll call it the nesuin, is supposed to take place. Mesa avia yarsha. If she dies, her father still inherits her. Masar ha'av l'shulchei But if the father gave her over shulchei abal, aish masar shulchei av l'shulchei abal, aish aish lechatzer b'derech v'nechasayimai l'shum nesuin. And they went into a room to live together as husband and wife. If Mesa, if she dies, Bala, the husband, Yarsha, inherits her by Medvar Amurim. And when is all of, all of these halachas true? As far as inheritance, but when it comes to Truma, and this is going to be the gist of the question, Ein Isha Echeles Betruma, Ad Shati Chanes Lechopa. So you see very clearly. That when the messengers give her o- of the father, give her over to messengers of the husband, what does that do? It changes who inherits her. This is a question to Yufta Lekulhu to Yufta. This is an upslug um, um, on uh, any other opinion which says that it's not only about inheritance, it, to Yufta, it actually is an upslug. Says the Gemara, one second. 
Hagufa Kasha. Let's get into this Brysa. We're using this Brysa to prove that Shmuel's correct, that the only thing that's changing over here is about inheritance. Says Gemara, one second. I, let's tackle this Brysa. We're very confused over here. Hagufa Kasha. This Brysa is an intrinsic contradiction. Why? Amrit, you said in the Brysa, Nichnasa Imaylalin, if she goes in to sleep with her husband in the hotel overnight on the way home, and then she dies, her father still has rights to her financially because she didn't have a complete nasuan. Time of the lull. The reason why the father still inherits her is because they were just sleeping in the hotel overnight and this wasn't considered nasuan. Hastama. But let's say you have a chasen and you have a, the, the chasen and kala. They're on their way to the chuppah. It's a long walk. So they stop into a hotel. And we don't know why they went in. We don't know. We don't know if it's just to rest up. You know, if it's Nesuin. We don't know anything specific. It seems L'Shem Nesuin. We're going to assume that it's for Nesuin. And if she dies, the husband's going to inherit her. Amos Sefer, but say then the price of say, L'Shem Nesuin. Only if they specifically went in with the purpose of Nesuin. That's where we say the husband inherits her. Hastama Lolan. But without that, we're going to assume that in a, a plain situation, we're going to say they're, they're just uh, resting up. And it's not in the suin. Um, Ravashi, Ravashi says, Stame, Stame, Katani. Um, really, both ways to be medayik at Stam, a, a, uh, a uh, plain situation without av- having any more details. Uh, Katani, this is what we're learning, which means, Stam Chatzar Dida Lalin, Stam Chatzar Diday, Linasuin. The way to understand it is, if they stop off at a place that happens to be. Um, her location, something that has to do with her, and we don't know what's happening. So we say, listen, you know, we don't know if they're going, if they're sleeping in the hotel for the purpose of the Nesuin, or if they just want to rest up. We say, listen, it's her, it's her chatzer. We're going to assume the father still inherits her. This was not a Nesuin thing. Nesuin is you go to his domain. Stam chatzer di day, the Nesuin. If they slept overnight, without telling us specifically why they're sleeping, at, you know, stopping in this place overnight. If it's his if location that belongs to him, then we're going to assume plain that certainly is a nesuin. Tana, we learned in the Brisa, Masar Abdul the father gives her over to messengers of the husband, the Zinsam, and then she's Mezane Hareza Bechanek. She now gets Chanek. Now remember, a Nara with Arison gets Skila. Narahamu Urasa got the novel, novel death of Skila. A regular Ashes Ish who has Nesuin is going to receive Chanek. So the Brysa says that if the father gives her over to the husband's messengers, she's going to get Chanek. That seems to imply this is Nesuin already. If she commits adultery, she, committed adul- uh, she became an adulteress as a Nesuah, not as a Meurasa. Benani Mili, where do you know this from? Amar of Ami Barchama. Ram Barchama says, Amar Kra, Liznais Besavia, to be Mizan in her father's house, Pratlam Masarav, the Shuchebal, to exclude a case where the father gave her over to the Shluchim of the husband. We're over there, it's not going to be skill anymore. Maybe it's only excluded in case where they already had a full fledged chuppah, they just didn't have. Relations yet, and then she was mezana. Maybe that's the case. Amar Rav, Rav says, Amar Li Ami Ami told me Chupa Behed Yoksiva. The case of Chupa, where uh, they 
went to chuppah together, but they didn't yet live together as husband and wife, and then she, uh, you know, and then she was mezana. That's behed yaksiva. That we learn explicitly from verses in the Torah. What are the verses in the Torah? Kiyiyah nara besula meurasa leish. You have a nara who is a besula who is meurasa leish. How do we dash in this pasuk? So it goes like this: Nara, if you have a nara, the loy bygeris and nara bygeris. So a nara receives stoning. Once she's a bygeris, once she's a mature. Physically uh, uh, mature uh, female, so then you know with age and with body, with saras. So then it's not going to be skila; it's going to be chenek the misa. Besula, what do you mean besula? V'lay beula, only if she is a uh, only if she's a virgin, and she commits adultery. But let's say she wasn't a virgin, so there's going to be chenek. Now this applies any age. Remember. Because if she's not a besula, it's automatic chenek. Even if she's a nara. You're nara begeris. Nara murasa only got skilah if she was a besula. So here, there's no besula. Okay. Mu'urasa, mu'urasa means there was erisin v'lay nesua. There wasn't yet nesua. Now my nesua, what do you mean she wasn't a nesua yet? Ilima nesua mamish. If you're going to tell me we're dealing with a, with a, a, a woman who had... Full fledged Nisuin, she just didn't live with her husband yet. Hainu Besula Vilaibula. So that's why it says Besula and not a Baula. But the problem is that as soon as she becomes a Nisua, she loses her status. As soon as she becomes a Nisua, as soon as she completes her marriage, she gets an automatic status as a non virgin. Elalav, the case has to be where we know for a fact where they had chuppah but they just didn't yet have relations and therefore what does it mean kiyia nara besula I'm sorry so what does it mean that uh, that she's in her father's house It's ta- that Pasa could actually be teaching me that if you have a girl who's given over to the messengers of the husband and they started walking with the husband, but there wasn't either a chuppah and there wasn't anything else, then um, that case as well is excluded from the death penalty of a standard nara hamurasa. That's the last word on the daf. That's the last word of this topic for today. We'll hold it here, Bezim, tomorrow. We'll pick up from the very top line uh, on daf memtas amad aleph. We'll continue and wrap up this sugya. We'll continue up with uh, the Ema, we'll keep talking about this, this uh, you know, circumstance where you have either the father handing her over to messengers of the husband or messengers of the father handing over to messengers of the husband and how the halachas change depending on what, uh, what happened over there. All right, Gavaldik, have a wonderful, wonderful evening, Chavar. Rabiel, welcome back. Welcome back Thank to the you, Zoom. Sir. Thank you. Yeah, Avada. Thank you. Avada. All right, good to see everybody. Amen. Thank you.